The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic, and everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibel. I, too, am a film critic, and people call me Dr. Pepper. Aw, yeah. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper, too? Uh, Dr. Pepper bothered to get his degree. That Mr. Pibb went freelance. <laughs> that's how you know. That's a, that's a Mitch Hedberg joke. Never, never, never trust a soda without a diploma. <laughs> All this month on Cancel Too Soon, we're covering our favorite niche of Mm -hmm. Cancel Too Soon television programs. (laughs) And there's a whole month's worth, ladies and gents. This is most of them. (laughs) There's Mm. like a couple we're leaving out. But we're getting to almost all of them in the month of March. Uh, This is Cops with Robot Partners Month. Hooray! Uh, Every single episode... Self-explanatory. Every single episode is about a human cop with a robot partner. There was a show about it. They almost all failed. Last week, we covered Future Cops, starring Ernest Borgnine. Uh, Previously on the program, and I believe our ninth episode, Mm. we covered Man and Machine... And uh, now we're digging a little deeper. Because <laughs> those, like, Man and Machine has a small cult following. Like, people remember it like, from a, the a 90s. A little bit. I think people are still the right age where they remember it. Yeah, like, it was on for a while, mm. and, like, it was pretty good. It had some good guest stars. Yancey Butler was kind of a new star, so she made mm. a bit of an impression on that. Future Cop was noteworthy enough to be, like, in the annals of Hollywood history because of a big plagiarism case. Um, it also had, like, a somewhat a respectable DVD release. Hmm. Uh, but the one we're going to talk about this week, no one gives a shit about. <laughs> it's God. And, and, and those are our favorite types of shows. It is available. You can like find it on Amazon Prime if you want. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a weird program, and I am so excited. We're going to get to talk about Condor. This is home base, a city on the edge of the 21st century. My name is Proctor, and I live here. A little old-fashioned, but that's my style. I work for an international peacekeeping force named Condor. I just finished a rough assignment where I lost a good friend and partner. Condor assigned me a new one, Lisa Hampton. I'm not sure it's going to work. Condor is not the ride from Six Flags Magic Mountain. Nor is it uh, the upcoming series based on Three Days of the Condor. Which is also called Condor. This is Condor from 1986. Yes, Condor. Uh, Condor That that was Ray Wise speaking. Yeah, Ray Wise. You know him from Twin Peaks and Robocop. And uh, what was that show? Reaper. He played the devil. He played the devil in Reaper. Uh, great and character actor. We got to meet him once. There's a picture of him, oh, yeah, him and us yeah. next to each other at some uh, Comic Con shindig. Yeah, nice guy. Uh, near as far as I can yeah. tell, anyway. Um, always a fun actor to watch. He always gives his 110 percent, and uh, that's always appreciated. In and, Condor, it takes place much like Man and Machine in the near future in Los Angeles. In fact, the near future of 1999. They give us a year. Now, always fun. Mm. Remember in 1999 when all of those 
robot hamburger stands were yeah, were popular. And long shots of freeways were all really elaborate miniatures. And monorails were everywhere for some reason. Why has that not taken off, damn it? We were promised monorails. These are just regular trains. What's I, going on? I acknowledge that <laughs> flying cars are a bad idea, but monorails, we have monorails. <laughs> Come on. Please, I beg of you. Just any public transportation in L.A. will be appreciated. It doesn't uh, have to be monorail. But it is the near future. Yes. And uh, we have a future cup. People have computers in their cars. Yeah. And there are very robots, impression. but they're not very you can, bright. You can order food ahead for pickup. How uh-huh. novel. You can pay for things like on a computer with a credit card, So all which actually was something that wasn't happening yeah, yet, the, the, so it's credit for that This is least. all really novel in 1986, but yeah, yeah this is the, the, all of that stuff actually came to pass. Yep. The robot waiters were working on it. Mm-hmm. I was just in Las Vegas, and they there is a bar where the bartender is a robot. It's just a big robot arm. It does all the mixing. That's fun. You just pay it. I don't think it like listens to your problems or flirts with you or anything. Well, but, listen, yeah. it just has nothing to contribute. Yeah. <laughs> just just sucks it all up. Man, I lost my job today. I have a squeaky caster. You know, it's like... <laughs> no, they're like code words. Like, I lost my job today. Lost job. One-fifth more bourbon. Like, it just like adds that little, little I, extra jolt. I threw in a little extra for you. Tink, tink. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking nice today. Um... Condor uh, is about Grey Wise. He's a cop with a special division called Condor, and he gets a robot partner. That's the plot of pretty much everything um, we're reviewing this one. Now, <laughs> one of the conceits of Cops with Robot Partners is the robot partner tends to be, like, top of the line. It's like mm. this new model. Being tested uh, out. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, so far, all of them have been, like, new models that are being tested out for to see if they're going to be u- useful in the public sector. I was about to say, if you're going to test somebody out, you test them out as a checkout clerk. You don't make them cops and give them weapons. I mentioned this in Future Cop. These robots, however, are stunningly accurate. They're yeah. essentially just people now. They're great. Yeah, they might have missed the phase when they were testing them as a checkout clerk yeah, or something but, like that. And but, now uh, there actually is time to really put them in the field. But yeah, he uh, recently lost his partner. Uh, yeah. the, and the, as recently as like yesterday, like, like they're really like the last mission he yeah. was on, and he just came back from yes, it. Uh, Lieutenant Proctor is is the main character's name, yeah. which only makes me think of the bumbling sidekick from the Police Academy movies. There you go, yeah, Proctor. But uh, he's Proctor, uh, and the robot doesn't have some sort of like nifty name like uh, Haven or E. Or something poetic. Yeah, yeah. It's po- Lisa Hampton. Poetry. Her name is Lisa Hampton. Yeah. It's like it's like the monsters in Monsters Inc. They don't have like they're not like Throctar. Well, this it's was like around the Mike, same. T- Mike Wazowski wasn't the uh, uh, artificial intelligence person created in Weird Science also named Lisa. Oh, I don't remember. That was around the same time, right? You know, I, I still haven't seen Weird Science. Really? So I need to get to that There's one. bits in it that are good. I've There's seen also the, bits in it that I are watched, fucking terrible. I watched the first half. Oh. I got as far as the jazz club scene, which was very strange. Anyway, Lisa is played by an actor named Wendy Kilborn, mm. who didn't have a particularly long career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like her in this, though. She's really talented. Uh, she was in a short-lived series called Midnight Caller. It lasted two seasons, so we're not going to be covering that. She was also in a TV miniseries called North and South that I remember being a rather big deal in the 80s. Mm-hmm. That was about the Civil War, if memory yeah. serves. Um, real fast, before we move on too much further, Condor aired on August 10th, 1986 on ABC, which also brought you Future Cop and Holmes and Yo-Yo. They were really married to this S- idea. Somebody really wanted this to happen. Uh, it aired opposite a rerun of Murder, She Wrote, mm. and the short-lived Knight Rider spinoff, Dalton's Code of Vengeance, <gasps> which we will have to try to track down. That's not my new favorite TV show. Right? 
dibs. Uh, it was directed by Virgil W. Vogel, who, who directed who directed everything. Yep, uh, he directed Mission Impossible. He directed Airwolf. Did an episode of Tequila and Benetti. Yes, uh, he was, I was also mention that. <laughs> he was also an editor, and he edited such films as This Island Earth and Touch of Evil. The, the Orson Welles film. One of the best movies ever made. Uh, did he edit it for Orson, or did he edit it for the studio? Because Who knows? That, that was a, a film that was famously re-edited by the studio, so which editor he was, we don't know. Uh, it was written by Len Jansen and Chuck Menville. Together they worked on things like the real Ghostbusters. Uh, Len Jansen worked on Baywatch Nights, which is very exciting. Uh, also worked on Benji... Zacks and the Alien Prince, which is a show I'm trying to get us because that is a television series about Benji the dog from like Benji the Hunted and the new uh, movie coming up on Netflix, which is actually really good. Uh, And he teams up with an alien prince and a robot. Yeah, the robot looks like the robots from the black hole. Like big eyes and yeah. everything with the irises. I, I yeah. watched it. I remember it. Yeah. It's in my brain. Benji's accidentally prince from the black keep, hole. The, it kept me out of good universities, having that in my brain. <laughs> Benji's accidentally prince. You actually yeah. watched it? I actually watched it. I have not. Okay. I saw a, I saw a video review of one episode. Like, <laughs> Thank you, Obscurus Lupa. And now I need the rest of them, and I need to watch them in their entirety. Because I watched all the Benji movies for an article I had to write this week. Oh, God. Some of them are good. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm, they're they're fine. The but- original is good. The remake is good. Benji the Hunted has some seriously good parts in it. And there is a chase in For the Love of Benji between Benji the Dog and like a super spy in like a Porsche. You see, it's a really cool chase. <laughs> Lassie, Rin Tin Tin, you know, most movie TV dogs I'm okay with. There's something about Benji's face or his breed that makes him look really puntable to me. Like, I just want to <laughs> run up and kick that dog through goalposts. The point is he's a mutt. He's supposed to be like, you, you respect him for what he's capable of, not his breed, you, no, you I, monster. <laughs> you what, monster. What? I want to kick a dog. That makes me a monster now? Yes! Yes, that makes you a monster. He does not want audience. <laughs> I do not really want to kick he's, a dog. He's, 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 I've never kicked he's a, a dog jerk. before. Good. Never going to do I'm it. I'm just making jokes about punting dogs because it's funny. It's not funny. Stop that. Um, okay, so Condor. The plot of Condor is it takes place in the near future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the beginning of the episode, pilot, TV mm-hmm. movie as it ended up airing, uh, a supervillain. With a PKE meter. Yes! They actually <laughs> just took a prop from Ghostbusters. Mm. And she's got that. And she is in, like, that all-white prison from Manhunter. And <laughs> all of the guards are robots in moon boots, mm. which is a great thing. They have motorcycle helmets, but they have, like, faces they, on the visor of the motorcycle they, helmet. Yeah, they have, like, like weird-looking robot eyes on their visors. I love it. I love the whole But, but also, like, cameras in their foreheads, so those eyes are useless. It's a great aspect. Aesthetic. Right. I love it. It looks so stupid and great. Uh, <laughs> it, she re, she uses a machine. She reprograms a robot she, to help she, her she escape. She essentially hacks the robot with the PKE meter. Yep. Uh, she sneaks out. It like just sort of walks her out. Uh, they, a couple of robots realize something's up. The other robot shoots them, and then that robot gets mm. shot. And then she like blasts her way out of the chain link fence. After all those robots, you couldn't invest in a fence. Like a real fence, like a, like but, a. You know what? The robots were reliable enough. Okay. They they didn't even necessarily need a chain link fence. So she she jumps out of the fence uh. and then she goes to the jetpack shed, which yes. they keep right next to the prison. And 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 <laughs> it's it's a real like the kind of jetpacks they were trying to work on at the time. Yeah, like the kind you saw in like Thunderball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like it so it looks pretty cool. And then she jumps in the jetpack and she flies away. And I'm like, this is kind of cool. 
dumb, can, but can, it's cool. Can I stop and just say that Condor is my jam? Like there, there are certain shows that are like came they came out of the right era and they have just the right tone. It's like yeah, this this is this is me. This is I'm back there now. It comes perilously close for me, and we'll talk about uh, what happens after that. We cut to Proctor returning home from his latest adventure, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, and he and he's narrating, talking about how he's an old fashioned guy because the guys with robot partners are always old fashioned men. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The the, the human cop with robot partner mm-hmm. show is at its core about the old meeting the new, about a new generation taking over for an old generation. Or, or and... More specifically about the American cultural phenomenon of old uh, white males mm-hmm. having to accept any semblance of diversity in their lives. Absolutely. It's the Archie Bunker phenomenon. And which is why a part of me was actually kind of excited to see this one because, uh, um, you know, with a man and machine, like he wasn't that old. Yeah. So, like, it didn't seem like that much of a stretch. With with Future Cop, Ernest Borgnine is, like, ancient. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> in comparison, yeah. And, like, and that's that's the point of the character. He's uh-huh. like, supposed to be super old-fashioned. Um, but he's got just, like, a white male partner. Here we've got a guy who is... I mean, Ray Wise wasn't that old at the time, but he's mm-hmm. playing that kind of relic-type character. And his partner is not just a robot, but a woman. Mm-hmm. And, indeed, when he goes to the office and he meets his boss's... Uh, th- this woman, Lisa... Uh, uh, Hamilton. Ham- Hampton. Hampton. His first thing he says right in front of her is he looks at her boss uh-huh. and he just says, I always said, you know how to pick the prettiest assistants. And I'm like, fuck right the fuck up. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. And then it turns out she's his partner and he's like, no, I'm a well, sexist asshole. Well, and, and, he, and she starts like saying really intelligent things and really computerized things. She has access to this database in her brain. He's like, well, I need, you know, it takes more than just brains to be a cop. And she has this really great line. She says, so you only see me for my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy Kilborn really sells it. She's really good in this. She's really well, and he's good too. And I think they have good chemistry. And in fact, the next step is like, okay, if you think it takes strength to be a cop, let's do it. And she puts her elbow down, and they arm wrestle. And another trope of the of a cop with robot partner. Yep. Often there's an arm wrestling there's thing. There's an arm wrestling thing. We've had one every time so far. Wouldn't it be great if they made a robot cop that was like physically weak? Like like its bones bent so they wouldn't break. So it's like the, it's just like really flimsy. You can like pick it up and throw it around. It's like oh yeah, just throw me at the bad guy. What's wrong with this robot? Oh, it's the Eddie Deason model. <laughs> <laughs> this is the ninety pound weakling. Use so, me as a weapon. So naturally, she beats him at arm wrestling, and he makes a deal that uh, you know if you can beat me at arm wrestling, you can be my partner. But then he adds for one day, uh-huh. and she's like, and, "Hi!" And they have to track down this prison escapee, who turns out is. Uh, what's her real name? Her real name is Rachel Hawkins, but, but her code name is the, the Black, Black Widow. Widow, and she is a crime boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really cool. We don't see a lot of uh, female crime bosses in these kind of robot yeah. science fiction things. Usually, it's like crotchety old German men. Mm-hmm. And she is great. Uh, she is played by mm-hmm. uh, Carolyn Seymour. Uh, from Congo, Mr. Mom, Zorro the Gay Blade, uh, and in more quality content, uh, The Ruling Class, which okay. is a great movie. Uh, I have tried The Ruling Class like three times. I just can't get into I The Ruling Class. I love that movie. It makes me laugh. Uh, and she was also in a really cool cult series uh, from Britain called Survivors, which is oh, about okay. the last remnants of society after a, yeah. like a virus wipes out 99.8% of the population. She looks an awful lot like the villainess character from Superman 2. Um, oh, uh, uh, Ursa. Ursa. Yeah, she, she does. looks an awful lot like Ursa yeah, from Superman does. 2. And she has her own crime syndicate. Yep. She has people who answer to her. Yep. Uh, she has who I assumed was like. She has an ex-lover that she's bitter about. She has this like really spunky sidekick who I think had a crush on her. 
Uh, um, no, she has a sister. Or, oh, that's oh, her sister? That's her sister. Oh, well, I guess I missed you, that you part. You really misread the room. Okay. Um, <laughs> she's played by an actress named Karen Montgomery, who uh, I knew from an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Of course you did. She played the, the queen of the matriarchy in an episode called Angel One. There you go. Uh, and she's really great in that episode. Uh, she passed away a couple of years ago, So she has a beef against Proctor. The mm-hmm. Black Widow does, because she he killed, I think, her brother? Or her lover, one of those. Yeah. And so she wants him dead. But the real issue is that when she was captured, she was captured stealing a code, the Vanguard code, which mm. would give her access to like all of the government systems. And she could have like yeah. completely crashed the whole world. And Proctor caught her. And then they actually erased her memory using a process that they immediately said, and then we declared that unconstitutional. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm glad you covered that. <laughs> Makes it seem really dystopian. Mm. Um, but they're concerned she might be able to remember it because it's not a perfect process. And I'm watching but, this. But her plot hasn't changed. She still wants to get that code. No, she has the code. She's just trying to remember the code. Mm. Here's my thing. I'm watching this entire bit of exposition, and they're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, she 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 got this Vanguard code, and she was going to use it to destroy the world." And then I and then I say, "So we changed the code." <laughs> and they're like, "Yes, we're really concerned she could get it back." So it's a good thing you changed. Well, the, there's no reason not to change William, the code. It's not like a password. You can't just change the universal password. It's like that uh, hacky, hacky chip from uh, sneakers. But here's the thing. Like, you could, doesn't matter what your password is, you can just use that ship and get it anywhere. If they had said that, I would have said, fine. They mm. didn't. They said it's specifically for the government. And later in the episode, they say, oh yeah, the higher functions of government changed it, but we still use it in Los Angeles. Why? <laughs> this is where she is! You're insane! They erased her memory. Well, you know what? It's such a powerful code, and this is 1986, and we don't quite get computers yet. Oh yeah, there's a great there's bit. Just a com- there's just a code, and it gets into computers, and we don't know exactly how to fight against that yet. There's a great bit where... We just uh, want to establish plot-wise that she can't break into the government. There's a there's a great bit where Lisa and Proctor are together, and she asks if she can use his PC, and he's mm-hmm. like, My huh? what? You know, your personal computer? Which is weird, because when the... when It works both ways. When this was shot, mm. that was... Not necessarily common lingo. No, so I can appreciate. Wasn't, wasn't yet. Yeah. I, so I can appreciate that. But today it's so retro. Yeah. that it still has the same like your PC. What? My what? <laughs> we don't use that anymore. <laughs> you can have my. You can have my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> and he, she goes over to the PC and it, and it looks like a microfiche machine. It's like this gigantic box. Yeah. And he's such an old fashioned guy that's just covered with clutter. Like he yeah. doesn't use it at all. He's also but guy, uh, he's also really keen on the computer in his car. He has got a futuristic car. He's got a computer screen in his car. I guess it comes standard. And the first thing we see him doing is ordering a hamburger and a coffee from a w- robot waitress across town. Yeah. And he drives up and he picks it up. So, so Condor he's, he's a Grubhub. He, more or less. Yeah. So he can use Grubhub, but he doesn't like using his PC. Well, he home. also has a holographic radio. Which he yeah. uses for like opera, and I'm just like, oh, oh is this he- in the Well Palms verse? <laughs> <laughs> She's taking mimazine. <laughs> And watching the the holograph, I think he just has a holographic opera and just chose, or ho- holographic radio and just decided to choose Whatever. opera as that one in that one scene because anyway, it was to wake up uh, his sleeping partner because she's a robot but she sleeps like a regular. We person. need to talk about some of the, that weirdness, but let's we'll mm. go through in a chronological order. He goes off for the evening. He says he's just gonna get some rest and they'll start work the next morning. But he mm. actually goes off and starts the job, and he immediately goes to Torchy's bar. Yeah, like, does that sound really familiar? Torchy's, yeah. 
No. It's in a lot of Walter Hill movies. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's in like 48 Hours. That's where Eddie Murphy has his whole speech. The Walter Hill doesn't have anything to do with this. Nope. Though. I think they just had the set. <laughs> I think they just had the sign. may as well just sign. call it Torchy. Yeah, like, why not? It's fun. <laughs> okay, sure. This Torchies. takes place in the 48 Hours verse. Yeah, exactly. The but in the future. future. Yeah, 48 years later verse. Well, For- I guess, <laughs> no, I guess it would be like 26 years later. No, 16 years later. 17. Well, what was 83? I'm was bad at math. Hours? I'm a film critic because I'm bad at math. I want to make that so, abundantly clear. 83 plus 16 equals 99. There you go. So 16 <laughs> years later, Torchy's still around, and that's nice. Um, he goes down the track down a snitch. Um, she mm. tracks him down because that's what she do. And mm. uh, they get in a little bit of a kerfuffle. And then, rather than drive her back to her car, he takes her back to his place where she sleeps on the couch. This happens repeatedly where like, she, mm. she's like, well, drive me back to my car. You're a f- fucking robot walk like i love how she's like i don't want to walk back to my car i'm like you're a robot (laughs) like well you're 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 not lazy like why are humans here's the thing about her being a robot it's all it's almost inconsequential like there's almost nothing a couple of moments there's nothing where she yeah like her actual robotitude has anything to do with the plot or like her actual abilities it's not like in future cop where he runs out of batteries in a couple episodes and he Mm. starts acting weird <clears throat> or she can use her like robot powers, like pull a tube out of her brain. I, I always love those scenes in robot movies where they like they fold back their hand and pull tools out. It's like that would be so handy. Yeah, I love. A, remember when RoboCop had that weird knife thing in his fist, yeah. but it actually was just like internet connector. And you're yeah, like, like he, he could stab you with it, but it was also like an upload device. Who yeah. decided on that format? That was That's a, a terrible. <laughs> That's format. a really weird design. But it comes up a couple of times. There's one time where he tells her to wait outside while he goes to check something out, but she mm. uses her X-ray vision to tell him to duck. So that's, yeah, that's there's cute. that. But there's a couple of times where she accesses the internet using her finger, and I'm like, okay. But like, yeah, mostly it's she's not really that useful as a robot, and, and she doesn't behave like a robot. She behaves like a person. She sleeps like a person. Mm-hmm. She's worried like a person. She has the entire gamut of emotions. Uh, they have a uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, she says that they're like they. She's a special model where mm. she doesn't use like silicon. She actually uses molecules. Well, and, and <laughs> she's a molecular computer. And you know, unlike most computers, which don't have molecules that aren't made of molecules. Build your own atom storage. But box. her brain is made of bacteria. And well, I'm they, like, yeah, they that's ex- weird. They explain that she's like pretty much like has a lot of organic biological compounds in her. Yeah, they they even explain early on that she has. All these like these different kind of enzymes and bacteria all throughout her body, and she may as well like, b- apart from her parts being synthetic, yeah, she's run organically. So she requires food and rest, and her brain is made of chemicals. It's like uh, the computer in Star Trek Voyager was made up of like essentially bags of blood, like brain oh, yeah. cells. And, like it got sick once. It got sick in an early episode. Yeah, I like that. That, yeah the, the the brain cells caught a virus. And then they kind of forgot about it. No, then they cured it and it was okay. No, but I kind of forgot about that plot. They never brought it up again. Yeah. That happened a lot with Voyager. Lynch is a totally new idea, and then we'll forget it's a thing forever. And Oh, and we're lost in space? What about resources? We just have them now. Yeah, after the first season, we stopped talking about it. Yeah, we can just do whatever. We never run out of power. We never run out of fuel. Then why do we need the premise of the show? We really don't. We really didn't. (laughs) It was completely pointless forever. It's just Star Trek. You know, the the one thing that, that they had to stick to was they don't have backup. Yeah. They're one ship, and they don't have the Federation behind them. That's the only thing that they kept consistent throughout. Fair enough. Um, anyway, what do we got But here? we're back on Star Trek okay. Voyager. So now. the snitch, Proctor's snitch, gets mm. shot by a laser guy who also has a thing against refrigerators, and I don't know why. Just shoots sure. the hell out of a refrigerator. That's easy to put a bomb in a refrigerator. Yeah, I, I guess. guess. But um, he, the snitch is like, okay, talk to me. Where is the Black Widow? And the guy just says, under... 
under and he dies and then they talk about like oh what could he have meant and she's like there's like 900 there's like 99 words that begin with the prefix under Mm. but only about half of them would make sense and that's still not enough to really help us out and then it turns out later he meant underground and i'm like really underground the most most obvious one (laughs) (laughs) like what else uh, well, and, and even if he said underground, that would be equally vague. Like, yeah. she's part of an underground, but or they, she's under, like physically under the ground. If she is, where you know that's not helpful. Yeah, is she part of the London Underground? Is mm. she like rocking out? Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, turns out her plan is to hack the uh, drones computer, the police computer, and activate all their helicopter drones, mm-hmm. which is actually kind of neat. The, uh, it's a, it's a great plan. Yeah. Uh, it's handled well. The the helicopters look kind of futuristic. They don't yeah. look like drones today, but they're close. You could make a drone like that, like look exactly like that today, and no mm. one would people would be like, "Oh, that's an interesting design." Like that'd be all there is to so, it. So, so yeah, it's Condor Minority Report. They predicted what <laughs> tech was going to be <laughs> between the two of them. Um, but yeah, she uses one to like yeah, she uses them to attack people, and it's really kind of a novel plan. And they don't know how to stop it, and they try to run around, you know, shut like blow up their own helicopters just so she doesn't have control of them. Uh, one of her uh, schemes is she holds the city for ransom. She wants money, blah 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 blah. She also wants uh, them twenty five deli- million dollars. She wants them to deliver me Proctor mm. and. Proctor and, and Lisa are like driving around trying to figure out what to do when they're assaulted by guys in identical outfits, which I appreciate because the outfits aren't like cool leather outfits or futuristic <laughs> moon boot outfits. They're wearing bright blue jeans, a cream colored turtleneck, and a light brown coat. That's their evil. That's their so, evil outfit. So the future is beset by bullets everywhere. <laughs> um. So they kidnap him, and it turns out he's being kidnapped by the Los Angeles Police Commissioner because he's going to deliver him to the Black Widow to buy them some time. And I'm like, you could have just asked. You <laughs> like, didn't have to do any of that shit. And there's a bit where, like, you know, his boss at Condor uh, is just like, why did you? Why did you do that? We we could have totally done this. It was like, well, I have jurisdiction here, and mm. he says, well, not anymore. You don't. And he's like, oh, oh, that's right. That's- Condor is actually like the FBI to my um, local law enforcement. Yeah, oh actually, yeah, he steps back. All right. Fair, 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 fair enough. Uh, that's it's a fair cup. Uh, there's a really funny episode, of, uh, like a 24 parody of uh, uh, South Park. South Park, yeah, South Park episode. Where people keep people yeah. charge into the room and keep on saying, "Not anymore, you're not." And that's what it turns out is like it actually has nothing to do with jurisdiction. And Stan finally fixes the situation yeah. just by like saying, "Well, not anymore, you're not." And like, like the FBI is like, "Ah, oh, Stan, I, I, I know what I'm doing here." And then and, and Stan looks around for a second and says, uh, uh, "Not anymore, you're not." And he's like, "Oh, snap!" Steps off. <laughs> That's the rule, and the, and the funny thing is, that's totally accurate. Yeah, I watched, yeah. I watched like the first like six seasons of Twenty Four. That happens like eight <laughs> times an episode. <laughs> that was really spot on. Not anymore. You're not. Oh my god. Um. So Proctor is kidnapped by the bad guys. They're gonna kill him. Lisa and his two other buddies at Condor, who we haven't mentioned yet, and are kind of interesting. Oh well, we have uh, James Casey. Or, excuse me, uh, James, James, Avery. James Avery. Yeah, James Avery, the dad from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He was also the voice of Shredder on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Yeah. He was also in a Cancel Too Soon series I want to cover at some point called The Nightmare Room. Yeah. Um, yeah, he plays Cass, who's mm-hmm. another yeah, the, Condor the, agent. Late, late, great James Avery. Uh, also, they're joined by uh, Cassandra Gava, playing an agent named Sumiko. I uh, wanted to see more of her. I know. She's fun. She's lively. She's a, she's an interesting character. She's barely in it, but if you might not know the name, but she played the witch in Conan the Barbarian. She was in Night Shift, <laughs> and she was in the Amityville Curse. 
Damn, which one was the end? I think the fifth, curse. fifth or sixth. So the one with the mirror. I don't know. Oh god, they're all they're all they they're, all kind of they're blend all terrible. Together. From three onward, they all start blending together. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've I've seen like eleven of those things. Too. But he's a lot of fun, and they like help break in, and they mm. he's about to get shot by the Black Widow, and Lisa shoots the Black Widow with a laser, and she like falls backwards. Ah! And then Proctor says, "No, she's got a laser-proof vest," and I'm like. Explain. <laughs> How is it impervious to light? Uh, it's a mirror. <laughs> it's not, though. It's just black. It, it would, doesn't work. I, I would love to see her pull. You know, there's the, always that unnecessary shot uh, in every cop movie where somebody gets shot in the chest. And then they, like, stand up. Like, and you think they're dead. And they stand up and they uh, they have to pull off their shirt to reveal that they're wearing the Kevlar Oh, underneath. right. I forgot. I was wearing a bulletproof vest. Yeah, they have That's to show the camera. Think. Look, see. They can't just say, oh, I have on a Kevlar. Or they, like, tap mm. it or something. They always have to pull their shirt open. I would love to see that scene where she pulls it open and it's like a disco ball. Like, it's like <laughs> just mirrors all over her. That's the laser-proof vest. I want someone to, like, get shot and then get up again and they pull off the thing. And actually, they were shot. Oh, God. I wasn't wearing my vest. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. I Oh, shoot. Bullet hole. There's a a really fun sci-fi movie with Rucker Hauer and I think Kim Cattrall called Split Second <laughs> in which uh, Rucker Hauer gets a new partner and like in their first case together the partner gets like a shotgun to the chest and flies through a, a window and mm. then it cuts to like the montage of Rucker Hauer mourning and like mm. drinking heavily and then there's a knock at his door and it's his partner and he was like I was running a bulletproof vest you just left <laughs> he just left that's cute that's it cute. was really funny I will say this though, if I was, if I was even if I was wearing a bulletproof vest and I was shot, oh, it hurts. It still it, hurts. No, it hurts. It hurts like a mother, yeah. is my understanding. But like, I would probably like check it out. Uh-huh. I would probably like clear, like, oh shit, no, no shit, it really does work. <laughs> it's it crazy. Just like you know, that, I'm heavily bruised. But my that, God, that one really disgusting scene in Kickass where he shoots the little girl in the chest. That is disgusting. That's a disgusting movie. I, not, I hate that movie I so don't much. Care for it either, actually, <laughs> it's really mean. Um, anyway, so at this point, I thought it was wrapping up. Like wow. it seemed like everything had been kind of resolved, but then she escapes in like she, a dune buggy. She gives him a slip in a futuristic dune buggy, and they have a chase down the LA River, the same place where they shot. Every LA River chase. And here's a fun fact. I don't know if you know this. This is like kind of like a local, you know, sort of history of the LA River. Mm. The LA River was only built for car chases. <laughs> like it's only there, like to live and die in LA or Grease Lightning or whatever. That's like, not. That's the true. only the reason river I've was... ever seen water in it. It is only there the... for car chases. It, it was flooding. It was flooding. It was wrecking local homes. I did a report on the. Look, I did a report on the LA River in then the eighth you, grade. Then all you right, didn't learn enough about it because it was only built for car chases. So there's a car chase in the LA River. And like when the Three Stooges were kids, they swam in the LA River. The. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Okay. That's, that's an interesting fact. That is actually an interesting fact. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lisa is uh, uh, on the computer trying to hack into, like, oh, we can't hack this thing. We have to hack this other thing. Mm. But we only have 10 minutes. And Lisa, super computer brain robot, able to access the internet with her finger, <laughs> turns to James Avery and he just says, okay, you're in charge of that. I'm like, what? <laughs> James ever um, <laughs> This is what you're delegating? <laughs> oh, okay, fine. And he's like, well, I'll try. And then she's like, all right, screw it. Beep, boop, 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 boop. Mm. There, I did it. I'm like, why did you do that first? Well, it's tiring. <laughs> it takes a lot out it of me. A lot, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. I don't want to do that. That's, that's the problem with making your robots more human. They're also lazy. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, the car chase continues apace. There's like a drone that's like sh- 
flying after him as well. It's actually kind of cool. It's really cool. It got super dune buggy. And then for no reason, she just like flies over a cliff, which I didn't know we had next to the LA River. Uh, no. They built that sometime between like 1985 the, and 1999. The big one hit and a piece of. <laughs> Big, big cavern caved into the ocean right up to the L.A. River. And then the drone, you know, it's, you know how drones are, like, mm. not computers and can't do things good. They shoot a rocket somewhere in the general area of Ray Wise. Uh, and he's just like, well, damn, it's a good thing that didn't hit me. And then the drone falls out of the sky because Lisa hacked it. Mm. And uh, everything turns out more or less okay. Oh. Uh, they're going to be partners now, but they're not because he's just like, no, I'm still a sexist anti-robot asshole. Mm. And then there's this, and it's it's never explained why he's anti-robot. No, he just says he's old-fashioned, but he's a real dick about it. And like, yeah. well, I mean, that that's that's his character. He's a dick. I mean, you have to realize this is really all just like I don't know why it needed to be. Mm. You don't really need a robot to tell this story, but like, he's aggressively sexist. I, mean, yeah. I already told you about that that moment where he like meets a young woman and then immediately turns through a superior officer and says, "You hired an attractive one." Look, look at this little cupcake. Yeah, yeah. What, like, whatever he, he says, he yeah. refers to her as a robot in drag, a computer in drag, a computer in drag. Yeah. Um, hold on, there, there are more of these. It's really fucking weird. Um, he's like, uh, and to be fair, this is a world geared for sexism because when, when he picks up his hamburger from that robot waitress at the beginning, it's like sexy boobless robot waitress who like leans way forward. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, so we made robots so we could stare at their boobs. Before gotcha. He, before he knows Lisa is a robot, like the first thing he says is, "I don't need a new partner, especially not a." And there's like a moment, and then well, he what going to say? <laughs> he doesn't apologize. He's just like. You know, like, I'm like, yes, we know you're a fucking monster. And then, like, it ends with, like, him saying, I still what, don't you, want to be your partner. What, libertarian? Is that what you were going to say? <laughs> and um, she, like, follows him out of the office, and he mm. still doesn't want to be your partner. And uh, something about, they say something about, like, oh, you have all the information you need. It says, not all. And here's her line mm. to this guy. I have no information about how you might hold a woman, a woman you care deeply about. Or how you might kiss her, and how she would respond. Oh. And then he like leans in, and he's just like, "Ah, oh, what am I doing?" And then he like gives her a ride back to her car. <laughs> Here's the thing: like even that opening arm wrestling, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, so if she wins this arm wrestling competition, she gets to have a sexist pig for a partner. I'm like, she doesn't win. <laughs> like, it's not well, good for her. May maybe she, being a, the superior robot being, sees an opportunity to bring this guy into the present day. That would be nice. It would be nice, it would if, be that nice was if she said that or yeah, something. She yeah, she doesn't, though. And that's the like, thing. Why, why do you want to hang around with this guy who hates you? Because, you know, just rejecting somebody who hates you, he just continues to hate. You, you go up to him and you try to open his mind, maybe he becomes a better person. It's this frustrating thing where, like, there's a lot of shows that were, like, had more interesting, well developed, exciting, uh, uh, you know, powerful female characters. Mm. Uh, but then when they actually, like, brushed up against actually doing feminist things, they always, like, took a step back. Like, mm. the one I remember a lot is when we reviewed that movie Bedazzled, or the pilot that turned into a TV movie, Bedazzled, mm. which we don't remember that. That was a while ago. Uh, it starred Leonard Nimoy as a race car driver who developed psychic powers and solved mysteries. Mm. Um, or was baffled. You you're said, right. You said, I, you said bedazzled. I get them confused because <laughs> they both have an exclamation point. Yeah. Uh, you're right. It's baffled. Uh -huh. Baffled, uh, uh, which is actually pretty good. But he has this awesome uh, uh, 
partner mm. where she's like co- a co-investigator. Yeah, where she's like an expert in like the occult history and everything like that and she believes in all his powers and they actually have a really good rapport together. But there's a scene where he says she says something about how like why do men always name their cars after women mm. and he while he's fixing a car just says, Oh you're women's lib and she's like, No, I'm open to all views and I'm like, even the ones that say you're not a person so, m- misogyny <laughs> is not a view. That's an aberration. Misogyny is just it's just shitty. Like I don't it's an interesting thing where like they're trying to hedge their bets and not turn anyone off by getting to political but mm. it also betrays the character i don't understand yeah. why her character would mm. be like so like flip about it like it's yeah. only well, like because she's got more emotion than a lot of these other robot cops it, it, it was it was one of those things that at the time was just too hotly political and it made not just studio executives probably audiences really nervous it's like that you know how do you deal with uh donald trump in the new roseanne for instance and they're gonna have to say well politics is going to be a little bit more on people's minds and we have to talk about this right-wing family did they vote they for trump but and they, they weren't just, right-wing initially i mean they, they, well, they episodes about like they weren't abortion they weren't but now we have to address that and a lot of people are going to say well let's not address that anymore we have to keep this series a little bit less political because people are uncomfortable about that even though it's more in the conversation now i, I don't know how they're handling it i think they did say that they did vote for trump which yeah I'm sort of like that really doesn't feel like something they would do at all based on watching the original <laughs> series but Whatever. I, I, I haven't seen it yet. The trailer they showed at the Oscars actually looked pretty funny. Okay. So I, don't know, I hope for the best. Dan, a lesbian kissed me. Can she stay in our garage? Is that from a... That that's that was a plot line and well yeah I just I don't know if that was an actual quote or if you were like that, that was uh, I think that was from the critic that, yeah that, that's the way they summed up Roseanne yeah, it's a good show yeah uh, if Condor had lasted a hundred episodes mm-hmm. uh, that'd have been weird it would have been cool <laughs> it would have been cool because I like okay Proctor is a jerk. Yes. He's a jerk. And, yes, I'm, he is. and I've seen a lot of TV shows that feature jerks in lead roles. I'm okay with that, especially because he's balanced by somebody who appears to be kind and decent. You can get away with a character who's a total asshole. Even a protagonist is a total asshole, mm-hmm. so long as he's not, like, given a straw man argument or on a soapbox. As long as yeah. there's, as long as that is the flaw in his character and the show mm-hmm. acknowledges that, that's how you get away with Archie Bunker. Oh, Barry Tarberry, he, for goodness sake. Well, um, I didn't get away with that. <laughs> that. That show sucks. Okay, whatever. But, <laughs> but uh, we Archie- just that's Archie our Bunker. fundamental disagreement about The Hundred Lies of Blackjack Savage is that I think the movie thinks his sexism okay, show, and yeah, monstrousness yeah. is cute and you think it's like it's not and I totally disagree <laughs> with you about that. I think that's the reason why. I've, every but, other week I change my mind about whether or not The Hundred Lies of Blackjack Savage was cancelled too soon. <laughs> I cannot decide. When people ask me every yeah. other time I have a different answer. But, uh, it's the most so amazing show we've ever covered. The, I understand that you know that the series would have to evolve a little bit to get their relationship a little bit more codified, but I think the promise was there, mostly because of her. I think she's okay. a really great actress. There were a lot of supporting characters that were really tantalizing, mm. that didn't get to do a lot, and I would like to have seen more of. Yeah, I love the look of the show. All of the, the long, like I mentioned at the beginning, all of the long shots were done in miniature. So we did have this like mini model of LA that was just really fun to look at. Uh, and exploring the technology of the way this world works and a lot of the way the computers were working and a lot of the way it proved to be very prescient was all very interesting. I think there was a lot here that they could have run with. Uh-huh. Um, and I like Ray Wise. So I like why Ray not? Wise too. I li- listen, I like the cast. I think the cast yeah. is all gangbusters. I think in particular Wendy Kilborn is mm. a real knockout and I'm bummed that I didn't see her in more stuff. Like oh. she she really clearly could have been like a big deal. She clearly has a lot of charisma. Mm. She brought a lot to her character. I think she's great. Ray Wise, always great. I like him too. Um everyone in the, everyone in the cast is fine. For me, it mostly comes down to he's 
such an asshole that he, just, he really just stepped right over the line for me where I really kind of don't want to see more of his adventures. All right. But for me, the real issue is because you can you can adjust that. Yeah. You know, you can scale that back. We went too far with the pilot. We'll pull him back. It's not going to be so bad. Okay. For me, the issue is budget. Okay. This is a show that is very ambitious and very cheap. But that's what I like about I it. They did a, like they did a lot like, with little. Those the, like the guys in the white suits with the motorcycle helmets. Those are robots. That's fine. I can accept that. 80s shows were not necessarily great at world building. They're sort of consistent. <laughs> Even Man okay. and Machine had some difficulties like keeping track of what's actually available technologically, uh, what's going on politically. Uh, we're kind of making it up as we go along, but that creates problems later on. First of I all, think the, that's a problem. Even the term world building is a really recent one and some critics are kind of hammering on a little too much uh, but, it's, but, but it's basically but the premise it's, it's yeah pre- preconceives it like mm. film noir was a term invented like two decades after film noirs were like started being made yeah you know just sort of after the fact you realize what were they doing well, okay well mm. they were building a sense of so, place and character and consistency in which other stories can be told understand the notion of world building wasn't a priority for a lot of people up until kind of recently but it was something that i think but fans it, it, were interested just, in like yeah. you look at star trek mm. did a fantastic job of world building they had a very cons- kind, kind of incidentally however but they still managed i think to they do just it. came up with such a good idea that we could make a world but they it. had a sense of continuity. They yeah. had a, they had an interest in mm-hmm. keeping things consistent. That's so con- what continu- to. continuity and consistency. Star Wars yeah. was the same way. Like, star- well, not exactly the same way, but like mm-hmm. in Star Wars, every minor character, everyone in the background, mm-hmm. had a name and a backstory, and you could find out about it, and that was kept consistent. And as yeah. a result, so thanks to marketing, yeah, I, well, but, yeah. true, but like it's still something they thought of. Like uh-huh. marketing didn't come up with that stuff. George Lucas and like his team, they, they came up with that. Did, like, did they? A lot of them. Wasn't yeah. just the toy manufacturers. No, like a lot of them was George Lucas. And like, oh, well, all right. <laughs> but like regardless, they kept it and they started telling stories about those characters. And a sense of consistency is what you need to tell a serialized story like this because then it falls apart kind of fast. Mm. Now, when there's only one futuristic element, you don't have to worry about anything because the world is just the world. Mm. Condor takes place. Far enough in the future with enough technological advancement that they would have to do a lot of heavy lifting all the time (laughs) or they have to find some sort of excuse not to. Mm. And I don't think it would work on an extended level. I kind of dug it. There's things I like about it. But I don't think it was canceled too soon because I don't think the series would have worked. I think it was too ambitious for its own good. Um, and I think it was well, probably. I think it probably would have been better if they'd spent a little bit more money on it and made it into a B canon movie. I, I was about to say, would yeah. this have worked better as a feature film? I think if you spend like seriously, Canon Group, nineteen eighty five, they probably were making this exact movie at some point. Probably, like seriously, like the basic premise is fine. They had that bizarre kind of like action figurey kind of tone mm. to a lot of their stuff anyway. Um, yeah, like, you get the same guy who did the Eliminators to do this. I'm like, I can see this. This could actually be, like, a fun, a fun premise. So, Where's Erwin yeah. Yablons when you need him? I would rather see this as, like, one medium budget for the time, hmm. but which I mean, say, like, $3 million. <laughs> you know, like, one medium budget sci-fi cop show, cop hmm. movie, with, like, a couple of straight-to-video, like, sequels. Okay. I think that's what Condor lives. I think as a series, I don't think it would have worked. I think they made it too complicated for their own good. I, I, so I, I think, think it wasn't canceled too soon. Okay, I think it was. I, I would have loved to have seen this in series form. I think if they had already built those sets and had a, you know access to those dune buggies, we would have seen them a lot because mm. they would have had to use them every episode. True. Um, but yeah, I think there's uh, there's a 
a world here that can be explored. I think that there's you know future crimes that we need to figure out. I think there's too much stuff that's really tantalizing and brought up a lot of interesting ideas that I need to see explored. You know, I need to see the relationship of robots to the world, which is something we didn't get in this. Yeah, and, and it's just something that they would have immediately had to have addressed in the next episode. And of the uh, robot cop with robot partner shows that we've covered so far, this mm. is the only one in which there are other robots. Yeah, um, yeah, which is something that I was always kind of bummed we didn't get to with Man and Machine or even Future Cop, because mm. it feels like that's a lot of interesting material there to yeah. see how like robots are kind of being well, raised in different environments and becoming different kinds of people. Our show next week does cover that. Yeah, so, it sure yeah. does. So that's going to be fun. Uh, um, but yeah, no. In, like, fact, I, in fact, the next two shows in our Cops with Robot Partners month. Well, we're going to have, have multiple robots. We're about to move to the next evolution of Cops with Robot Partners <laughs> Month because all the stuff we've done so far has been like the early phase. Mm. We've done uh, the, the 70s, we've done the 80s, we've done the early 90s, and now next week, and this one, this episode, I'm going to warn you ahead, this is a long show, so it might be a few days later than we normally like. It might be closer to the weekend. Mm. Uh, but next week, we're going to be reviewing Total Recall 2070, which is actually <laughs> a bit of a misnomer. It's named after Total Recall, and indeed is based partly on Total Recall. Mm -hmm. But this is actually kind of this fascinating amalgamation of every Philip K. Dick idea into mm. one story. There, there's, I've, I've watched about half of the show already, yeah. and uh, just because there's so much to it, I was able yeah, to we, get a jump start. And, that's yeah, one of the reasons why we, we're glad Condor was short. It gives us time to catch up on Total there, The Total Recall thing from the movie is in there, but also there's robots. It's, it's Blade Runner meets Total Recall. And, and, That's the majority of the and show. And a, a lot of Philip K. Dick's stories, if, if you're familiar with his work, deals with memory and how we remember things. If you know anything about Philip K. Dick's life, orchestrated forgetfulness is you know something that was really important to him because yeah. he suffered an awful lot. But... Uh, but yeah, there's so there's all these memory games and also Total Recall and also robots. And I guess they, ne they, they needed a lot to, to make the series work. So yeah, this is Philip K. Dick, the series. Mm -hmm. uh, it is from the late 90s. And for a late 90s show, you're going to find that it's actually pretty ambitious. Like there's a lot of like... Well, it's cable. It was, it's, it's, it's a cable. showtime show. It's cable. They had some money to throw at this mm -hmm. one for the time. Um, so this one and then the show we're going to do after that are bigger productions, more expensive. And, and more recent. And more recent. And we're going to so end gonna... with the most recent iteration of this. You can you predict could, what that is, but we won't say guess. what it is now. Yeah, it's not Holmes and Yo-Yo. We couldn't find it. We weren't tricking you. We just couldn't find it. Um, but yeah, so that'll be really exciting. So next week we'll talk about Total Recall 2070. Also, on the Patreon page, you can go to patreon.com slash cancel too soon. Um, our subscribers, mm -hmm. uh, our Patreon uh, patrons, uh, get a bunch of like uh, original content, and uh, we've got two Cancel Too Soon monthly movies this month. Mm -hmm. uh, up right now is a TV movie called Popeye Meets the Man Who Hated Laughter. <laughs> and what's novel about Popeye Meets the Man Who Hated Laughter is it was a team-up along the lines of the Avengers or the Justice League or, or Abbott and Costello Meet the Wolfman, in which all of the comic strip characters from the Sunday Funnies teamed up together that were popular in 1972 so a lot of them you're gonna be familiar with there's Popeye there's mm. Beetle Bailey mm. uh, there's High and Lois there's Blondie and Dagwood Bumstead uh, but there's also weird ones like Prince Valiant and Flash Gordon <laughs> and the Phantom <laughs> and it's crazy it's just this bizarre kind of like historical footnote that got swept under the rug and then someone rediscovered it finally and made it mm. available so we're finally able to get, take a look at this thing that I had only heard about in hushed whispers 
Wars for many years. <laughs> um, so that's what's going on right there. However, this is a rather short episode, mm. so let's spend some time catching up on some letters. Okay, uh, let me call up those letters. If you want to email us, our email is soon at gmail.com. Remember, we always spell canceled with one L, because when we looked it up before we started the podcast, that's what came up most often. Well, I looked up the correct spelling. That's what I looked up, too, but I also just checked to make sure, because I'd seen it both ways. Yeah. It seemed like the one L was used most often, and then we start the podcast, and the next day, all I see are two. Of course. (laughs) All right. Yeah, here's a letter from Cecil. Cecil writes in frequently, and this is about Batman. Ah! Hello, Batman. (laughs) Uh, Can we just take it? Crusader! Uh, I'd like to take a minute to appreciate the 1960s Batman TV show. After Batman v Superman crashed so hard, I went back to watch what was probably still my favorite Batman. And though Batman the Animated Series might have overtaken it, I saw it on Fox Classics. That's an overseas network when I was eight. And and it was tense and I was panicky like, oh no, how is Batman going to get out of this one? Oh, thank God there was a paperclip that he used to get out of those handcuffs. Then when I was a teenager, I thought it was stupid. The same thing happens every episode. I'm too old for Batman. I'm going to watch the Powerpuff Girls instead. Now that I'm an old man, I realize uh, it was meant to be stupid and it is genius. Adam West, you sexy bastard. What else have you been in? Oh, nothing. Shit. Well, we've covered a lot of Adam West. If you've been listening to this show, you'll see what uh, Adam West. I don't... I don't like the uh, conflation of broad, camp, and silly with stupid. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, that's that's meant to be stupid, or that's meant to be bad. Nothing's meant to be bad. Everything's meant to be good. Uh, it's just nece- perhaps needs to be appreciated on a different level. Something that is a satire, for instance, isn't meant to be bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that's not necessarily an accurate way to describe... Batman. No, they knew what they were doing with Batman. And if yeah. you look at, like, um, was it Lorenzo Semple who did the, the writing for a lot of that show? He yeah. also wrote Flash Gordon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon is another great example of this where it's another broad, brassy, mm. uh, throwback uh, action adventure movie. Mm. But the tone of it is very light. They yeah. understand that there's a, sudden, there's a certain awareness that what's going on is silly, but they're going for it anyway. And they're going to try to have well, it both ways. And at best... I think Batman, the 1960s series, and definitely Flash Gordon, the movie, pull it off. With flying colors. And in fact, if if you watch one of the early promos before Batman uh, went on the air, there was a really great bit where, for some reason, they got Milton Berle. <laughs> and they had Batman and Robin in their Didn't costume charging. Did play a villain once? I think he did, maybe later on, but he's he's just playing himself in this little promo. Okay. And they charge into the one set they had, which was the commissioner's office, and the first thing Robin says... um, Batman, look, the room is empty. And Batman says, I noticed that when I saw no one was in it. Oh, yeah. It's like that. Okay, we're off on a good start here. This is exactly the. I noticed that the room was empty when there was no one in it. And they go over to the desk and they say, what's this under the desk? Milton Burl? And they oh, pull I Milton Burl out from under the desk. Uh, for the record, Milton Burl played Louis the Lilac. That's right. Louis the Lilac. Um, and you got to remember, Batman was super popular when it was on in the 60s. Like, it seems yeah. like a weird, like... Uh-huh. A, a, a asterisk in Batman history now. At the time, it was a big fucking deal. Uh-huh. And they attracted huge talent to play guest stars on that show. <laughs> People were lined up. Like, I heard uh-huh. Cary Grant wanted to be on that show. Like, oh, that would have been is, cool, right? That is great. Yeah, that is like, great. that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. It, you watch it again, it holds up great. Like, it's, it's goofy, but I think... 
we're okay with that now. And the reason why I'm okay with that now, and I didn't used to be, because uh-huh. I used to have like, I used to enjoy the Adam West Batman show, but it kind of bugged me because it had set this idea that Batman could not be taken seriously. Uh-huh. And I knew from the comics that he could, and it could be great. Mm. And it was frustrating that Adam, the Adam West show had, for people who weren't familiar with the comics, sort of convinced people that comics were dumb. And that mm. bothered me. I think I don't think it's the show's fault necessarily, yeah. but I think it's its legacy, and that's unfortunate. Mm. And so I was glad when Tim Burton came along, and people were like, "Oh, we can take this seriously." And then we went way too far in the other direction. <laughs> Every like Chris Nolan, I think, hit a good balance. Like this is as serious as it can get. Mm. But then even when he started going weird in The Dark Knight Rises, and everyone's like, "No, no, no, more serious. <laughs> like, n- none of this shit." And he's like, "Okay, fine. Well, Here's Batman all- v Superman." I'm like, "No, that's." First of all, have you read comics? They're kind of silly, and it's that, that's okay. That's okay. And you can be, but as it can be both. Yeah. And I think a lot of my favorite comic books are broad mm. and believable in some way. There's some emotional core to it that mm. I can accept and they latch on to. They're great. A great example of this is Grant Morrison's All Star Superman, mm. uh, which uh, uh, Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. I don't want to give all the credit mm. to Grant Morrison. That is a fantastic like 12 issue comic book series <laughs> that basically takes all of the bizarre silver age kind of stupid ideas for mm. superman stories and tells an emotionally resonant <laughs> superman story i felt real emotional like real feelings yeah. like by the end of all-star superman and also it's goofy as fuck all right it can be done it's hard okay but it can be done uh, I I never read comic books for any sort of emotional resonance. I just wanted to see colorful monsters punching each other. It was it, I, I appreciated them on like the base most basic most That's surface kind of level. My point. As I, it bothers me when people pigeonhole an entire medium. Mm-hmm. Bad enough when people do it to like a person or an artist or a character, yeah. but an entire medium can only be this one thing. Like that time when we thought that cartoons could only be musicals. In America. Yeah. That's bullshit. <laughs> That's bullshit right well, there. That's I'm, stupid. I'm still waiting for the next wave of American animation where we can like have R-rated animated films for adults. In there, there, there's There are some things that you can... Like adult stories you can only tell responsibly yeah. using animation. And I think uh, there are some really great well, stories out there that are you know, rife, for, rife for telling. A, a movie that I'm hoping might rife, actually... Rife. Mm. I'm hoping might actually help lead the way for that in an unexpected way. Mm. Is there's an animated theatrical release Spider-Man movie that Sony is putting out. Yeah. Uh, starring I've, the Miles Morales version of the character. Yeah. But that's, and, that's Spider-Man. That's still a, a PG-13 rated adventure story. But here's the thing. Oh. It's an action movie. Uh-huh. It's not a, It's not like a family thing with like talking animals. That is an action well, we've had, movie. But we've had plenty of those. As cartoons that were super successful? Yeah, like well, what? Titan AE, for instance. That was not successful. Or, or Final Fantasy. We've was had... That was a huge bomb that bankrupted uh, a studio. <laughs> I'm talking about its a, its potential to be successful. And if mm. you remember what the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie did, mm. was, but we'd had a couple of hit like comic movies before that, but they were action movies. X-Men mm. was an action movie. Blade was an action movie. Spider-Man was a four-quadrant movie. It hit mm. people in all the fields. It was a successful, mm. uh, uh, affecting romance, in addition a, to being a fun superhero movie. And it was wildly mediocre. <laughs> Fuck you. But my point is, is that it it made people realize that the medium could be different things. Mm. And from there, people started getting a little bit more ambitious. And say what you will, I still like that movie a lot. Mm. But say what you will, without that movie showing people that, sp- that a- superhero movies could be more than just better than average action flicks. Mm. Like, they can actually, like, be very impactful and, like, t- tell stories about real emotionally interesting characters. Mm. 
we wouldn't have had the good ones that came out of that. Okay, I, think, well, I think it set the stage I, for the for what we now know of as a superhero I, movie genre, which I is am, as relatively diverse. I am still surprised Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was as successful as it was, because it is uh, uh, just a boring, uninteresting, not well-made feature film. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> Spider-Man I, 2 I saw Spider-Man 1 is one of the, is one of the best superhero movies ever made. Spider- I saw Spider-Man 1 uh, five times in theaters. That is the last time I've done that. I wore my Spider-Man t-shirt to Spider-Man on opening night. I was excited. It yeah. was one of the last movies I was got excited about, and I wanted to take off my shirt partway through the movie. <laughs> I was embarrassed I at was, how bad that movie was. I, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. The first yeah. time I saw it, uh-huh. I thought it was okay, but I, someone dragged me to it again because they hadn't seen it yet. Right. Second time I saw it, I'm like, oh, I was on the wrong wavelength. I like all of this. Uh, so mm. like, it, there was a lot of anticipation. And everyone has their own Maybe ideas. So. I've only seen it, seen it the one time. You should watch it again. I think, my, you, uh, I think, I think knowing you uh, and knowing how much you like quirky and weird, uh, I think you might appreciate it more than well, you remember. I've seen Spider-Man 2 several times because that one's the good one. <laughs> I watch, I'm, I'm going to challenge you this. All Sometime right. in the near future, next couple of months, try watching Spider-Man 1 again. No, I, I, Just I, one. Just I have, do it for I me. have other things I need to do with I've, my time. I, how long have we been friends? Like 10 years now? A long time. Try Spider-Man 1 one more time for me. <laughs> Just one more time. You only saw it the one time in theaters after a lot of build-up, and that was almost 20 years ago. Mm. Try one more time for me. Maybe so. Uh, here's another letter. This comes from Daniel. Okay. We actually have many Daniels, so this is a, this is a different... <laughs> Uh, you know who you are. So, hi guys, Daniel again. Hello, Daniel again. Uh, the more I listen to your show, the more I realize how much weird and obscure TV I watched as a kid in the 90s and early 2000s. I recognize almost all the shows you guys have done, even the older ones. I've gotten mixed up on some things, though. For many years, I believe there was an animated episode of Perversions of Science mm. that featured a bongo player in a futuristic city whose hands are cut off by mobsters, and then his hands come to life due to a voodoo curse and terrorize the mobsters. Wow, I have you, no idea. You could be making that up. That's no. That, that, that sounds, sounds like something some, you dreamed. <laughs> that sounds like something that happened on like liquid television or something. Yeah, oh, maybe so. Yeah. Uh, there was also a weird sex scene between one of the mob goons and the voodoo priestess where they transformed into wolves mid-coitus. Uh, I imagine my surprise when I listened to your episode on perversions of science and did not hear that episode mentioned. I started racking my brain to figure out if I made this episode up or up or if it came from somewhere else. I finally remembered that Ralph Bakshi was involved and figured oh. it was part of another one season wonder series called Spicy City. Spicy City. There you go. It was an adult animated show created by Ralph Bakshi that ran on HBO in the late 90s, and I can't figure out how I ever got it mixed up with Perversions of Science. Well, they're both on HBO at the same time. Yeah, it happens. Uh, Have you guys ever gotten the events of one show confused with another? Oh, absolutely. In fact, Mm. Perversions of Science was one of them. I spent, like, until we watched Perversions of Science, I could have sworn that that episode about uh, the fake Orson Welles uh, alien invasion radio Mm. cast, and it actual aliens who were invading the earth got confused and right. led to shenanigans. One of my favorite episodes of any anthology show ever. Mm. Could have sworn there was a Tales in the Crypt episode. <laughs> Could have sworn it was a Tales in the Crypt episode. Close enough, I suppose. It's close. Tales really from happens. the Crypt adjacent. It happens. Uh, I feel like there was another one of those where like we watched it and I thought mm. we were watching a different program. Uh-huh. And nope. Yeah. Uh, but there's it happens, yeah. Uh, P.S. A quick Poor Devil remake suggestion. Taika Waititi as Sammy, mm-hmm. Reese Darby as Burnett, Ooh. Jermaine Clement as his boss, Ooh. as the devil, or, or excuse me, as his boss, and John Noble as the devil. What do you guys think? That's great. A, a, a Kiwi poor devil? I'll take it. That sounds fantastic, yeah. especially if Taika Waititi uh, directs it. <laughs> if, I'm in. If, uh, That'd be fun. That'd yeah. be really fun. I like that. 
Um, here's a letter from Adam. Okay. Uh, Dear Bibbs and Whitney, uh, this will be a random message concerning several small issues, so I'm sorry for that. I've been, I have a lot on my mind recently. Okay. Uh, firstly, I recently visited Cuba. Uh, even though the internet connection is a rare delight over there, I had to listen to the latest episode of Cancel Too Soon, which was The Persuaders. Oh. Uh, I found a way, downloaded it, and had a great time. Thank you. Uh, the situation got me thinking. You surely control the number of downloads... Uh, you surely... Hmm. Control the number of downloads of your creative content. Do you also check where people are downloading it from? I simply wonder how to spread out the C2S family. <laughs> um, we do, actually. Uh, we post our shows on Libsyn, mm. uh, and Libsyn does give you a general overview. And it's not too specific. It's just country. Mm. But you can like take a look at like how many people have like you know downloaded you in Russia or mm. Great Britain or Brazil or wherever. Mm. So, yeah. We have a we have a listener in Qatar. We do. Thank yeah. you very much to our listener in Qatar. You're awesome. I, I think our one listener in all in the entire country You're of Qatar. Totally <laughs> awesome, and we thank you for that. I, I bring someone over just so we have two <laughs> listeners in Qatar. <laughs> Uh, secondly, while on a plane, I re I watched Riverdale because I heard from some people that it's the new big thing. I couldn't finish the first episode though. I gave up after 20 minutes. Did I miss it? Did absolutely nothing for me. Am I crazy? Uh, I tried watching the pilot as well. And the pilot sucks. Oh, does and it? I've talked to a couple of people who talk about how great Riverdale is. And I'm like, I couldn't get through the pilot. And they're all like, the pilot sucks. And I'm like, why did you keep watching? Yeah, but they did. And apparently yeah, yeah. it gets a lot better. So if the pilot sucks so hard, I'm, I have no reason to go back. Even if it turns into something great, I I tried that with uh, Scream Queens. Mm. I, I rarely get a wild hair to start watching a new TV series anymore. Mm-hmm. But Scream Queens was one of them. That looks like one that seemed kind of interesting to me. I watched the pilot; it was so bad. It's like, oh no, no, it gets better. I don't care. Look, I like the. I, I have such a bad taste in my mouth. I don't I, want to taste that again. I, Riverdale didn't leave me with a bad taste in my mouth. It just mm-hmm. wasn't interesting, which is a shame because I think the idea was great. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, if it found its footing quickly, uh, as other people have told me it did, I might give it another try at some point down the road mm-hmm. uh, but i'm talking about people i respect yeah. you know like actual like critics mm-hmm. whose like taste has been very well honed uh-huh. tell me it gets a lot better real fast so <laughs> if i had the time i'd probably do it maybe i will someday okay. uh he also says uh after giving up on River- riverdale i picked up on this is us oh, the first yeah. episode was simply amazing it got me hooked so hard that i started watching the second one even though the <laughs> the plane was in the middle of landing <laughs> Uh, do you happen to know this show? Actually, my wife is a big fan of This Is Us, so I've absorbed uh, several episodes just by osmosis. I, I haven't uh, it, seen it yet, but it's another one where people would just rave. It, it, it is soap opera climax the series. Like every <laughs> every single episode, they're gonna like reach their entire arm's length down into your tear ducts and pull out whatever you got because it is like the, the weepiest, most emotional show, and it works. Great. Like they actually somehow have made it work. Um, the big twist at the end of the pilot, and this isn't a twist anymore because the show's continuing, is that uh, we're watching like separate timelines. We think it's all in the same timeline, and then it turns out one of the characters is dead, and these other characters are their kids and not interacting with them. So mm. it, you know, it kind of changes the pilot, and it's actually really well filmed. And this, the creators made Pitch, who did that same twist, which we addressed when we did our Pitch episode, mm-hmm. that the, it turns out the father was dead that whole time. Mm-hmm. Turns out dad is dead, I guess, is like the only trick that guy has. <laughs> Uh, and lastly, what do you guys think of RoboCop? I love RoboCop. <laughs> they watched it recently for the first okay. time. Uh, RoboCop is yeah one of the, one of the greats. I love RoboCop. Yeah. I think RoboCop is great. Um, mm. The original RoboCop is the perfect blend mm. of 
comedy in action. Like, it becomes a pure satire. It is exactly yeah. what it's making yeah. fun of. This sort of macho, bullshit, consumer-driven, capitalist, uh, uh, violent American mm. society. It is completely anti all of that and it is the best possible version of that it is so fucking great and exciting it's uh, at its at its heart it's about the privatization of the police force which is something that like really extreme right-wing politicians have suggested in the past because that sort of all business laissez-faire capitalism everything needs to be privatized ethos that really kind of came into its own when reagan was in office Mm -hmm. when robocop came out uh is just pushed to kind of a logical extreme in RoboCop, and it's really a cautionary tale. It's super-duper political, but it's so violent, and it glorifies its violence so much that Mm. you're so busy wondering how much you should be enjoying the violence that you're only kind of getting the politics as an afterthought. And then, of course, as soon as the film's over, you're like, realize, wait a minute, Reagan's all over this thing. And it's made by a Dutch guy who's really making fun of America. So, yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. Every last bit of it. Uh, here is a letter from George White. Oh, hi, George. Uh, George George White's a big fan of ours. Um, hello, George. Hi. Thanks for always writing in. Um, have you ever felt like me? He writes. I've grown tired of most episodic TV, same with most genre movies. I watch so many films that you begin to get fatigue, especially in genre films, and especially when you often watch films on a mostly purely visual basis. Too many exploitation films of all genres merge into one. I was never a fan of new Hollywood films post-1980s horror, and it doesn't excite me the way it did as a teenager. Haunted House movies did never do much for me, and then I be- uh, then again, I believe films should entertain. I'm the sort who believes that one of the greatest American films of the 70s is Winter Kills with Jeff Bridges and John Huston. I turned to watching Soviet sci-fi movies and a lot of cartoons from all around the world, but most films now all feel the same to me. Bar animation... So listening to your shows, especially when you cover the weird side of stuff, i.e. fishing with John, it inspires me. Have you ever felt like this? I've seen so many films of so many genres, especially average U.S. TV of the 70s and 80s. It tires you. Even Columbo begins to feel the same. Sitcoms feel repetitive more than they actually are. And weirdly, the most joy I've been feeling is watching 70s episodes of UK soap uh, soap operas like Coronation Street. But apart from that, have you ever felt this strange? Have you ever felt like me, George White? Uh, I can answer that question mm-hmm. with real simply. Mm-hmm. We started this podcast <laughs> because we felt that way. It gets to the point when you like really care about art of cinema, whether you work in the field or are a critic or just a huge, huge nerd, mm-hmm. uh, and not just about like a franchise, but as a whole medium. Uh-huh. You absorbed a lot of it, and after a while, um, even good stuff that just isn't particularly interesting just can only have so much of an impact on you. Yeah, yeah. and you start to seek out weirder and weirder stuff. And the more you do this, the more movies you watch, the more TV you watch, the more novelty <laughs> begins to really excite you. Mm-hmm. Even if it's bad, you can admit it's bad and still just say, "But I haven't seen that before." Yeah, yeah. And so I um, watch a lot of like really weird stuff to to combat that. A lot of people, a lot of like. Uh, Amateur film pundits have written that, uh, and business insiders have written that film critics are like, and the film community at large just aren't in touch with mainstream American tastes. And it's true. And you know why? Because a lot of mainstream Americans will only watch maybe five, maybe 10 movies a year. We're watching literally hundreds. We watch 150 to 200 movies a year professionally. And if you're thinking to yourself, you know, oh, I watch that many movies a month. Mm-hmm. We do that a week. Yeah. Minimum. <laughs> a lot of the time. Because Whitney and I will watch an entire season of a television series and between five and ten movies. And, and every all, week. New also ones. consider you get to pick. 
We don't have that luxury. Yeah, like we every- have to see everything. You, I, look out in the pages of IGN pretty soon because I do intend to review Sherlock Gnomes. There you go. That's not something you would have sought out on your own. Probably not. And you'll give it a fair shake because I, I, for all you I know, maybe give, it's good. It could be a, it could be the greatest film of all time. I've seen the preview. It looks terrible, but as soon as the film begins, I have to put that aside. Here, here's here's a little thing I want you to think about the next right. time. If you're not a critic, most of you aren't. The next time you're at a movie theater or maybe you're watching mm-hmm. a DVD with previews ahead of it or something, like you, you're in a position where you have to watch some previews. The typical reaction when you see a preview to a movie, and you see it every time you're in a theater, like mm-hmm. you see a preview for, I don't know, Tomb Raider. Mm. And then everyone, like, after the trailer, people look, turn to the people they came to the movie with, like, oh, that looks good. Let's go see that. Mm. Or, no, no, we're good. Every film critic sees those trailers and it was just like, that's my calendar. Tuesday. Yeah. Like, we, we <laughs> will have to see everything. It's just a vision of our future. Mm. It's one of the reasons why we don't watch a lot of trailers because we, it's, just, it's inevitable. I know just I'm going to see it. Just something we're going to see. So, like, um, after, so then, so you have to see all of the mediocre stuff and that most people would generally avoid. And so, it just, after a while, you just start looking for more interesting things, yeah. and your taste evolves. So yeah, when when you're watching 150 films, uh, 150 to 200 films a year, minimum, yeah, minimum, and you you begin to see those patterns a lot more quickly, and yeah, you you're much more appreciative of something that's a little bit more daring, mm-hmm. and you actually start trumpeting the things that are more daring, and a lot of mainstream audiences are like, well, I'm. I'm still used to this. Mm-hmm. I don't need to break out yet. It's yeah, like, well, but we're not tired of this yet. Yeah, it's I, like, I've seen all 40 of those this year. You saw two. Yeah. You're not tired of it. I am. <laughs> and that's fair. And that's a really, really good point. And mm. it's important to remember that the experience of a critic is not necessarily the same as the experience of mm. uh, a, a mainstream, everyday, regular moviegoer. That's That's good. We're the rats in the maze. Yeah. All right. We're if we're tired of something now, it means you're going to be tired of it in a year. Mm. You know, like that's that's the point. Is that's we're, the we're, point? We're 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 on an amplified schedule. We're, we're the career criminals who have been in prison long enough that we're able to show the newbies around a little bit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> look, I know where I can get you cigarettes. We're Morgan you go Freeman over in here. the Shawshank yeah. Redemption. We're, we're, yeah. we're all Morgan Freeman in the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> We're, we're that guy from Unsane. We saw Unsane recently. Oh, yeah. can't, we can't talk about it yet, but uh, yeah. there's a guy in Unsane like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, our tastes are a little bit more refined, and my advice to people who are finding like the usual stuff to be a little bit boring, and it's going to happen to you. Yeah, it's just a result of age. You can't just consume the same stuff forever. It'll happen faster the more art you consume, but it'll and, happen. Uh, but uh, the solution is to listen to us. <laughs> I'm not kidding. If not that's, literally us. That's kind if, of our job. as cri- Not you and I necessarily but specifically. That's, that's but the point yeah, of critics. That, that's why we're here. We're here to guide you to that good stuff. A lot of and people, if you can find a good critic that's worth their salt, then you know, listen to them. Try to figure out what things they're talking about. If you want somebody with... I, I, I hate I hate to call out our peers, but if you want somebody with like the, mo- the most possible refi- like high refined taste who has a deep appreciation for like the really weird arty stuff that is mm-hmm. really, really great. Go to Dave White. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, and, uh, and Alonso, and Alonso, Duralde. and Alonso Duralde as well. They're they, both they, that little linoleum knife podcast. Yeah. But you know, D- Dave White is the one who's saying, you know, okay, these big shiny blockbusters, they make me feel good, but they make me feel the same. They're great. He's, I think he said something along those very lines, but then he'll go off on a very, very long tangent about Bellatar. Mm-hmm. He loves the Turin horse. I finally saw the Turin horse. It's good. <laughs> well, and here's the thing, and here's the beauty of Dave White. Uh, besides well, everything, besides, everyone loves Dave, and <laughs> we do. But one of the things that makes him such an impeccable critic, and, uh, and again, Lonzo Duralde as well, uh, 
when they talk about something you wouldn't be interested in, they make you interested. They know they know how to do that. They, that's their that's their power. That's the trick of being a film critic is we we have an opinion, we express it honestly, mm. and hopefully we if, express if we do it, our job right. We need to express it honestly. Uh-huh. Uh, learnedly in a way that shows that we know kind of what we're talking about, but also in a way that entertains you and makes you kind of see our point. Mm-hmm. You can disagree all you want, but maybe you're looking at it from a wrong perspective, or maybe here's a thing you mm-hmm. thought had nothing for you, and now you realize, oh, but if I approach it from this angle, mm-hmm. this is totally for me. Yeah. And a lot of art house cinema works that way, and people fall into it eventually. I think the point kind of boils down to this. Film critics are valid and they are for everyone, but they're not necessarily for everyone right now. A lot of people are young and they just want to absorb. Yeah. And they want to just take everything and that's fine. That's part of it. But like, they're still learning the patterns to the point where they're not sick of them yet. When you're, as you get older Mm -hmm. and you have more, uh, you have less time to devote to simply consuming Uh and you don't get to see every single thing you want to see and you have to be more selective. Not only that, but you've seen so much at this point that just seeing anything won't necessarily Mm -hmm. do it for you. That's when film critics at least from a recommendation perspective, as opposed to like a artistic and social commentary perspective, Mm. that's when it becomes super useful. Mm. So maybe you're not in the demo for a critic right now, but maybe you will be real soon. And (laughs) you'd be really glad you have this. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. So it's a weird, it's a weird system. Honestly, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Here's a letter from Mark. Okay. Hello, Mark. Hi. Uh, Hey dudes. Hey, Hey dude. Uh, Call me Dr. Dude. No. And you can be my excellent Ray. (laughs) No. <laughs> That's a reference to a pinball machine. No. <laughs> uh, I was listening to the Future Cop episode, and someone emailed about doing anime. My issue uh, with you guys covering anime is that the anime industrial complex works differently from the American industry. I'm sure you are somewhat aware, but a lot of anime just exists to promote manga. Yep. Uh, which is the comic books it would be based on. A 12-episode anime would be a success if it increased manga sales. It's common for an anime to go longer than one season and end on some stupid cliffhanger, so you buy the manga. I looked it up, and the Dragon Half manga finished the story and had a sequel. So yeah, I love anime, and I would love for you to do some, but I don't think it's fair to say that some anime was, quote, canceled too soon, when it was never intended to have a second run in the first place. It's actually difficult yeah, any time we deal with a show that w- didn't air in America, yeah, because even in, in all Britain of, it's all of different. The, all of the production schedules are different, and the way they did seasons or series uh, does yeah, fall under different political... Uh, purviews. I think if we were to do more anime, we might want to do anime that was repackaged for America. Maybe. Uh, that's part of it. Um, there's definitely one series I really want to do at some point that I think qualifies called uh-huh. the, the Devil is a Part-Timer. Uh, yeah, which is about Satan coming uh, to Earth and getting a job at McDonald's, right. and it's really fun. <laughs> um, and that's that definitely ended uh, and ended on a bit of a cliffhanger. I think one thing that is important to remember, though, is that the reason a show is is canceled is sometimes, in fact, usually quite incidental. Mm. Um, if it was canceled for mercenary reasons, it was still canceled, and we yeah. can say we wanted more of it or not. So that's not really the issue. The question is how much of it was intended to be made. Did it mm. finish out its run as intended? Um, so yeah, we'll if, see. If, if something was, and that, here's where you get into tricky semantics, because if something was produced only to ever be one season, something like "That's My Bush." The, uh, from yeah. Trey Parker and Matt Stone. They did a sitcom about George W. Bush, and that was... They only ever wanted to make 13 episodes. 
and they weren't going to, no matter how successful it was, they weren't going to do more because that's all they had ideas for. Mm. That was their plan. Does that count as a miniseries or a series that was canceled? It's tricky. I would say it wasn't canceled because they reached the end that they wanted to. So that technically, That's My Bush doesn't count as a canceled too soon series, even if it only lasted one season. Right. And I think that's what you're talking about, dear uh, Mark, mm. with anime. We did our best to make the rules of our show as mm. clean as possible. But the real world doesn't work that way. Usually yeah. it's pretty straightforward, but like, there's a lot of them where it's just like, but did it have a second run? I think kind of, not really. Yeah, I, what I, do we do? And we're just, we're doing the best we can. What, and occasionally what, we have to fudge the rules a bit. What we're really interested in here is failure. So yeah. if, if something like ran to the end of a very short success, maybe that's not as interesting. Often not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And he says, uh, cons- for consideration for mm. your illustrious list, I'd like to recommend Bee and Puppycat. It did not air on television. <laughs> I remember being Puppy Cat. That's a good one. Yeah, it did not air on television, but we don't watch TV anymore anyway. It was produced by the animation company Frederator in their attempts to make an independent online animation network. The show was really good, only lasted about six episodes, I believe. I figured if Amethyst counts, then this should too. Check it out. Bee and Puppy Cat. I will add Bee and Puppy Cat. You know what else I actually want to cover at some point? Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if they made only ever as many as they intended to or not, but I still think it was neat. Uh-huh. Uh, Lenore had a web series, which was great. Roman Dirge's uh, oh, Lenore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The story of a cute little dead girl uh-huh. and, her, and her various I've, kind I've of morbid adventures. It, I've seen it around. Uh, yeah, they had a very faithful, like kind of the way that MTV did the Max, uh-huh. uh, like panel to panel cartoon okay. series. It was quite good. Okay. Um, so maybe we'll try to track that down at some point, too. Yeah. We haven't done any uh, web series yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's well, a Ameth- few. Amethyst. That wasn't a web series. That was oh, on TV. I guess you're, that was yeah, on you're right. That was on Country. Uh, one probably. thing we're probably going to do, since it seems to be dead now, we were waiting a bit, is at uh-huh. some point we'll probably do Other Space. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, we just got a letter from somebody, like, just this last week, saying, hey, if you're doing Cops with Robot Partners Month, you should do Total Recall 2070. <laughs> well, Keith, guess what we're doing? Well, ahead of me. As a matter of fact, Total Recall 2070 was one of the first shows I acquired when we decided to do this show. Nice. Because I was a fan of it when it first yeah. came out. I haven't seen it in, like, 20 years. But, like, yeah. So, way ahead of you. Uh, he also want, wanted to suggest, and this falls in with the anime conversation, uh, Helsing. Which was an anime series. Did that get canceled? But again, and he says the TV series diverged from the manga source material. This is a new letter, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, about halfway through its 13 episode run, in part because of the the Game of Thrones problem, the the mm. show was outstripping the source material. Ah, uh, and. Uh, it ended up being produced too fast for the original author to keep up. It always struck me as the superior incarnation of the story, the, the author's version. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the most high budget of fear, but it had a fantastic soundtrack. Um, we'll look into Helsing. I, I think Helsing yeah. is a little too much of like a multifaceted empire to really. Uh, I mean, we, I guess we did do the Muppets, but uh, we'll look into it. We'll, we'll look into Helsing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little mm-hmm. tricky. We'll, we'll definitely take a, take a crack at it. Uh, anyways, yes. Uh, Keith also says, P.S. Sergio is ridiculously cute. Yes, he, he's he looking is. at me right now. He only heard his so. name. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, let's do one more. And then one we'll, more we'll letter. Uh, this is a letter from uh, Ling from the Philippines. Oh, hi, Ling. A listener from the Philippines. The title of the letter is, Yay, Cancelled! <laughs> <laughs> That, that, oh, if, if we can, like, have our name somehow, like, translated and retranslated back into another language, like, overseas, can we call it Yay Cancelled? 
Like, can we can we like broadcast? Show you mean? Can, can our show be not like our, di- our own names because that no, would can, just be our names? Can our show have a different title overseas? Can sure. it be yay canceled overseas? Sure, that'll be great. Done. Okay, great. I'm happy now. Okay. Hi, Bibbs and Whitney. <laughs> as I grow older, I find that I don't have as much brain. Sto- this is another theme of this okay. episode, I guess. I don't have as much brain storage for all the shows that are currently popular because the producers slash creators seem to want a, a, want to make them last forever, and they end up with plots that I can no longer follow. I'm looking at you, The Walking Dead. Yeah. This is why I enjoy your podcast so much because it introduced me to man and machine and gcb maybe they were canceled but i feel it's more fun to speculate about where the show might have ended up or how the characters might have developed had the series lasted longer asking what if is always good fuel for creativity also it's great not to have to wait six months for the next season to come out (laughs) it's just over yeah you're done it's good my question for each of you is, uh, what film from 2017 or 2018 mm-hmm. would have been better as a TV series? Bonus oh. points for coming up with an alternate title for the show. Um, <laughs> I'm really crossing my fingers for you guys to cover the RoboCop TV series soon. Thanks for reading my uh, letter. We, we, that's definitely, we were toying with that on Cops with Robot Partners, but he is technically a cyborg. So. <laughs> oh, technically. Let's technically see, a what, cyborg. What is a good, well, I feel that way about a lot of the big franchises mm-hmm. uh, because the way, I mean, in the last decade, films have changed immensely. The way films are made and marketed uh largely thanks to the the marvel model right marvel is essentially a tv series uh the way they are presenting them to us uh each film uh with a few exceptions, tends to function as an episode of a larger story. Right. And they play into, you know, what they're calling the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it has TV series, and they all kind of can can interact with each other, even if they don't necessarily do. Mm -hmm. This is a concept that had been floated around in a lot of films and TV series, and only occasionally happened, and now it's the raison d'etre of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. And... As such, they play out like TV series. We do have to come back to a reasonable point of status quo at the end of each one of these films, which has been really frustrating for lovers of cinema who want something big and daring and dramatic to happen. Yeah. Why doesn't Captain America die? Well, he can't. He's key. We're getting the way of other stuff. We we need other episodes. And what if if this character gets too old? We'll reboot it. We'll bring in an alternate universe version. You know, there's... We know that this thing has to continue indefinitely, and that neuters a lot of drama. And if you think of them as a TV series, it actually becomes a lot more palatable. Oh, that's what they've been since very early on. And, like, yeah, and it also makes the whole sort of corporate control over it a lot less you know artistically gross yeah, yeah because again it's it's this is an executive producer managing a writer's room mm. and directors for hire this so isn't a whole bunch if, if people you might assume, put their stamp on it but you can if only you, get so much of yeah, yourself if you ascribe that. yourself to this whole auteur theory and you want the the artist you know the director as artist is the one calling all of the shots mm-hmm. well they're not because kevin feige the executive producer is really calling the shots um I feel like in the last couple, they've been giving their directors a little bit more, a more, little bit more creative leeway. I think Taika Waititi is Taika, all over Thor yeah, Ragnarok. Ta- Taika Waititi kind of took over yeah. Thor. I, uh, I don't. I I'm feel the, that way about Shane Black and Iron Man Three. I feel that way about Ryan Coogler and Black Panther. Uh, James Gunn uh, as well. More so uh, in the sequel. To uh, Gu- uh, James Gunn for Guardians Two definitely is James yeah. Gunn's baby. Um, Guardians One less so. Still, I think he he brought something. But fun uh, to it, I, yeah. I think a lot of people were complaining that the directors weren't being given full reign and. I I think with these last few, they've been doing that. Who knows well, if they'll continue? Well, I think that those films, and, and even to a different yeah. extent, like Doctor Strange, um, they kind of took place in a corner 
Mm. But where nothing, where nothing really affected them that directly. Most uh, of Black Panther takes place in Wakanda. We've barely been there. We yeah, don't have they, they, to interact with anyone else. They can get out of the way and tell their own complete. They, there's a way. Story. There's a way to threaten the world without the world taking notice. Is is the way they've been writing. Those. Yeah, it's so, the same yeah. thing with Doctor Strange. They, mm. they, it makes sense. Mm. Uh, so that works as well. I want to say uh, I'm for, trying to, to answer your question, that would be like a would have been a bad I think the, TV I show. think the obvious answer mm. uh, is the Dark Tower. Which oh, is a huge go. epic uh, book series of which I'm really not super familiar, but boy, did that movie feel rushed. Um, yeah. It definitely could have it, it, taken a few episodes mm-hmm. of like at least a short season. Um, but the one that I think it's a terrible movie that clearly could have been a better show mm-hmm. is The Snowman. Oh, I didn't see that. Well, it's uh, that's based on a series of detective novels, yeah, right? Th- yeah, and they were going to try to turn it into a franchise with a detective in it, much like you know Alex Cross. And yeah, I'm th- like, th- doesn't he have name like like Hank Crotch or something? Has Harry some- Hole. Harry Hole. <laughs> and apparently, that's a porno name. My my wife is a fan of the books, and she's explained to me that they apparently that never is addressed. No one Just ever his, says that it's it, funny. That his name is Harry. The recurring Hole. joke is that it's not a joke, and I wow. think that's great because he's so talented. No one ever says anything. Yeah. Um, that probably should have been a TV show. Okay. That probably should have been like a Sherlock, like five hour, one mystery a season okay. kind of thing. And I think you, you you really would have had the opportunity to explain why we give a shit about these characters because the movie never got around to it. <laughs> <laughs> the movie was so up its ass with its plot, I never knew why I should give a shit about anyone involved. I didn't see The Snowman. Yeah. My favorite thing about The Snowman are the memes that came out of it. It was a great meme. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? That whole thing, like Detective, I gave you all the clues, not even in the film. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. There's, oh, geez. He gets one note with a snowman on it but that's not even the message on it oh wow it's so weird it's the one thing everyone knows hello, about it's hello mr police i saw one where the, the snowman was dancing and the, the note said hello mr police hello my honey hello my ragtime gal there's a lot of good ones yeah there's a lot of fun fun yeah. little memes thanks for that um so that is it that is it for canceled too soon this week again uh you want to send us an email want to suggest a show share your experiences with the shows we've already reviewed uh we are at canceled too soon at gmail.com at cancel with one l uh you can uh help pitch into the show and get some exclusive content and stuff uh, at patreon.com slash canceled too soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can listen to our new Cancel Too Soon monthly movie, which is a bonus episode for Patreon subscribers, where we do one-offs, TV specials, movies, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, that's only for Patreon subscribers. Patreon subscribers also get to vote for one episode a month, um, in addition to a bunch of other fun stuff. Uh, as well um, you can also listen to us every week at the Critically Acclaimed podcast on Schmo's Nose uh, the Schmo's No iTunes feed or the SK Plus YouTube, YouTube channel ne- yeah network uh, we will be back next week with a review of Total Recall 2070 um, we're on Twitter at CancelCast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Am I forgetting anything? Uh, since we talked about him listen to Linoleum Knife please uh, D- Dave White and Alonso Duralde are, are great great men <laughs> they are they are great men. We're big fans. Uh, <laughs> fans and friends. We're happy to say yeah. both. Isn't that great? I need um, to have, have lunch with those guys again. I haven't talked yeah. to them for a little while. Anyway, that's a wrap, folks. We will see you next season. Music.